You can't be a Pharisee. You can't be a Pharisee. You can't be a Pharisee. <laughs> All the weight of that. All the weight. <laughs> it makes it sound so important. <laughs> no, it's interesting that you because you find different regions of preaching have different styles. Like there is an Appalachia style of preaching that involves like um, basically where the preacher kind of does this <gasps> thing with his voice as he goes mm. on. It was made famous yeah. by a pa- by a preacher who had a speech impediment and like physically did this thing with his voice. And then other preachers in the region picked up on it and started doing it themselves as Ooh. they got into I've it. I've never noticed that before. And so, so yeah, so different regions have different... Um, different uh, ways in which preaching is kind of expected for that. Some regions have snake handling. Well, that's that's a whole different issue. But. It's more like it's more like today Deep we learn about how Abraham was to sacrifice his ow his son. <laughs> well, felt that one. You ready to start? I'm Zach. I'm Colin, and I'm Bob. And, and welcome, welcome to the House Plants Podcast 2021. Oh, we made it. <laughs> we're a few weeks in. We're d- we're dug deep in the trenches. <laughs> um, and we're here to talk about music, media, and the mission of Jesus, and Heck much yeah. more. Um, we're going to be very missional today. That'll be interesting. Um, one of the things that I've really enjoyed that Zach kind of got the ball rolling on was this um, one thing without this other thing. Uh, or you can't have one There's without no this the other. other. No this without that. <laughs> That's right. Know that without this. Um, so today uh, we're going to continue on that train, but first we're going to do a little worship. Um, I'm excited because we have another original from the ZKB man over here. <laughs> <laughs> What's yeah. What does the B stand for? Well, it's his second last Beast. name. <laughs> Zach Kratzer. Beast. Beastberry. <laughs> so That's um, how it goes. No. Uh, yep. So no, we... Uh, we had a lot of fun um, kind of constructing this last week. We kind of had this prepared and then Zach wanted to take an extra uh, special time to like really get things nailed down. And because of that, we, we have like a beautiful arrangement, uh, good harmony. So we're excited to play that. Thanks. For you. Yeah. Glad it works. Um, so this is a song that's based on Romans eight and I actually wrote it for a Psalm eight. No Romans. Eight. Oh, Romans eight. Okay. Yeah. It's actually not based on a Psalm. It's based on Romans. Oh, okay. Um, and it, uh, it was written for a Holy Spirit class. And so I wanted to write something about how the Holy Spirit's role in saving us and like causing us to be adopted. Um, that's the way that God adopts us to be his children. And that's what Romans eight is all about. And what's cool is yeah, you kind of follow in that Jonathan powers line of logic of the Trinitarian. Oh, well also who was the other guy we had on that talked about the Trinitarian worship. Um, blanking on his name but uh it has been the gauntlet has been thrown down before Mm. about how there isn't a lot of other aspects of the trinity like the father and the holy spirit in Mm -hmm. worship music right so it's cool that we're getting we're digging into the holy spirit more yeah i've got a couple other holy spirit songs so we can uh, do those on the podcast too sometime awesome there's not enough holy spirit songs out there and usually when they are they're like holy spirit you are welcome (laughs) here oh holy spirit Oh, yeah. you're so great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> let's get into some of the specifics. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, uh, great. Um, so, uh, yeah, here we go with, uh, we cry Abba. Let's worship the Lord.
Daddy, Abba, we're so thankful for this time um, to be your people. We're thankful that you've given us this, this opportunity. Um, we ask these words that we that we bring to you that we bring today are uh, uplifting, uplifting to you, uplifting to our listeners, and uh, we hope that we can uh, that we uh, bring you glory with the discussion we have today. Help us to be your people. Help us to be the people that lift up the church. Help us to grow stronger. In your sons, let me pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Amen. What does Abba mean, Bob? Uh, that is uh, Aramaic, if I'm correct, for daddy. Uh, Korean. <laughs> it is actually Korean for dead as well. <laughs> no <joke. laughs> yes, uh, I only know that because Jessica once had to do a screenplay for a college course, and she said uh, Bo Abba, which was like a Korean or yeah. something like that. And it also means dad? I think so. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yes. In yeah. Chinese, it's Baba. Baba. Yeah, Baba means it's all the like data and stuff. They're all kind of close yeah. to the same yes. word. Yes, interesting. Uh, 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 almost, Easy stuff for a baby to kind of like get. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I say Pep Pep and Nana, but that's a little Tim and Eric reference there for you. But Bob always prays addressing God as Daddy, and I've always loved that. Um, we really are like babies. As far as like our faith and as far as like God, like we're just like dumb toddlers oh, and yeah. we well, just need him. So, well, like if, if you're Shredder from Ninja Turtles 2, you, <gasps> you don't like that. <laughs> They're babies. But if you are, if you are, if you are God, then uh, I, I find that I find that to be a, a promising prospect. You're moldable. Um, you are innocent in his eyes. Um, so, um, Here's here's the just stumbling around, you know. Like, <laughs> we're gonna make. I'm just gonna keep making this whole series. I'm gonna make pop culture references. The Rugrats father Stu would say you should have a rubber baby buggy bumper so that if you are a baby and you're running around, you don't bump your head on anything dangerous. Wow, that is a deep reference. There you go. <laughs> don't quote the deep cartoons to me. I was there when they were written. I was born in the deep cartoons. What are you, babe? I was born in Nickelodeon. You were merely uh, grown accustomed to it. There you go. Yeah. You 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 are a friend of the dark. Um. So okay. So um. Here's here's our newest topic uh, in this series. Um. We have entitled this episode, or I have whether rather whether or not uh, it fully explains it. Uh, we'll we'll get into it, but it is going to be entitled "No Discipleship." Without sacrifice. Now, yeah, buddy. One of the things I want to stipulate on is the word discipleship first. Um, now, discipleship. A lot of Christians in Christian circles would see it almost as a verb, like you're discipling to others, um, or the discipleship of mm-hmm. other people. Now, what I'm referring to is the active being of a disciple. Um, so, when you are, when you have discipleship, it means in the scriptures that you are a disciple of Christ. And we're going to kind of go into that a little bit. I like that distinction. That, yeah. that, uh, so do, do you get what I mean? Cause oh, yeah. sometimes people say like, Oh, the, we, the, we, we need more discipleship. We need more teaching of others. Mm-hmm. So, so what it, it's almost like membership, yeah. but instead it's, instead of being a member, you're a disciple. So, 
Gotcha. So, gotcha. Um, so, so you're referring more to the act of simply living out your life as a disciple, as and, opposed to the, the the more specific act of training others. And so, what we understand about being a disciple in the scriptures is that a disciple is a person who has made it a, an active choice to follow Jesus. And so, when we dis, when we make that when we make that uh, choice to follow Jesus, um, there is a cost. Now. We don't often talk about that in church, and a big reason why we probably don't talk about that in church is because it's probably not the the happiest feeling news. Now, I'm not going to go on a slander uh, session about other churches, but I will say that in general, even as far back as the 70s before that, even this feel-good kind of movement of, of Christianity has its positives and its negatives. And one of its negatives is we don't really deal with some of the um, costs mm-hmm. of, of following Jesus. Some, some more uncomfortable discussions. Uncomfortable discussions is a good way to say that. Yes. And so yeah. um, one of the things I want to uh, distinguish against before we g- begin as well is traditional sacrifice. Now in the old Testament and in a lot of the culture in the new Testament, mm-hmm. sacrifice would mean a person brings their calf and sacrifices oh, as a burnt offering. Yeah. Yes. Or we, the lamb. Yeah. Yes. So we are actually not talking about sacrifices as in a burnt offering. We are talking about what things are being completely stepped away from in your life, sacrificed for, mm-hmm. for you to be able to follow Christ. It's kind of like Paul when he talks about offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. That's exactly mm. right. It's not about the ritual. I mean, Hebrews even kind of talks about how uh, the priests would stand and they would perform these rituals over and over and over again, but they Mm -hmm, wouldn't satisfy God. Um, What the New Testament is talking about that we're referring to is living your life. And so you're offering yourself as a sacrifice. sacrifice. Now, it's, it's, it's an interesting distinction because... One sacrifice is giving something you don't really need or want mm-hmm. to Jesus or to God. In this case, you're giving yourself and leaving the things that you don't need behind. So yeah. it's more of a personal sacrifice versus giving something to God. You're giving yourself to God to be pruned. Now, mm-hmm. let's get started here because there is a scripture we need to talk about that is very significant to this theological idea. So I'm going to start in mm-hmm. Luke 14, 26 through 33, and we're going to talk about family. Okay? Sure. Now, this is kind of the linchpin of this theology. Um, and it's funny because I have I've been telling people I'm excited about this Bible that I got recently. It's called the David Jeremiah Study Bible, and it's the English is the ESV version of this Bible. But um, it has a lot of really cool stuff in it. But this particular section i think for a lot of people's bibles is called the cost of discipleship starting in verse 25 of luke 14 so i'm okay. going to start there and we're going to be in luke a lot luke really does uh corner the market on this type of thing there's a lot of stuff about <laughs> discipleship in luke there is so starting in verse 25 it says you know now the great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and child, and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. It's quite a statement. So we're going to stop there. I'm going to keep going in a minute. We're going to stop there. So the first thing we need to talk about is the word hate. Mm -hmm. So I have a nice little uh, commentary here about the word hate. 
And I wanted to read it to you because I think it's significant. I think this is a, a good take, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. <laughs> and it says, the ancient Near Eastern concept of hate did not involve intense feelings of loathing or revulsion, as the modern Western concept does. To hate something meant to place it in a lower position than something else. Jesus was exhorting his followers not to loathe their families, but rather to ensure that God reigned supreme in their lives. Yes. So that is significant mm-hmm. to discipleship, yes. first off. Another way of looking at that might be that uh, that my love for God is so great that it makes my love for my parents look like hate. Yeah. I mean, and that's... Because you know, it's, 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 it's about the contrast. It's not, so not, funny. Not, not so much about, yeah. you know, actual loathing, but about the contrast. I still remember the first time I read this passage. Yeah. At, like when I was kind of a newbie Christian, I remember reading that and going like, what? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> Jesus wants us to hate? Yeah. Like... That's just a crazy thing to think about. But then I asked somebody, I think it was actually maybe Jake at the time. And, you know, he explained it kind of the way you did. Like the contrast is so much like you almost hate anything except Christ because your devotion to Christ is so great. Whoops. Hey, nice. <laughs> My bi- hey I'll turn, let me turn off the piano. Right on key. My Bible, uh, it almost sounded like that thing from like commercials whatever that <laughs> jingle is <laughs> um but no so i, I uh but yeah yeah i i yeah. I, 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 I experienced the same thing zach when i first read this passage and i was like i just like i'm sure there's there's got to be something else going there that that, that can't yeah. be literally what, what jesus is saying the way that i understand it which is mm-hmm. and it turned out to be accurate you know it wasn't exactly the way i understood it, it was about the contracts not a not the actual loathing. I almost, I almost entitled this episode "No Discipleship Without Hate," which would have been real controversial. Hate. <laughs> I can feel the hate. The hate. It makes you powerful. <laughs> oh, so you're what? You're, what are you saying? You're saying the hate meaning you, you, you want me to think of everything else as lower than 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 you or God or something? No, I meant like be mad, and try and grab the lightsaber and stuff. Well, that's not what the out, Bible calls. Stretch out with your hate. So, um, and I believe, I believe there is, oh uh, there is a lot of support for this definition, uh, in the way that the, uh, like he said, the uh, ancient near Eastern, uh, translations, but going, going forward here, who, uh, so we, so we heard that yes, even his own life, which will be significant later. Cause we're going to talk about that, mm-hmm. but we're still talking about family a little bit, but we're going to return to the scripture a few times, but I'm going to continue on for now. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you does desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Question mark. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Mm-hmm. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first? And, deli- uh, and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Mm. Now, taking stock of that cost there, renounce all that you have. Mm-hmm. Now that is going to be a weighty thing to think about. And if you were to approach someone who first came through your doors mm-hmm. in your church and said, are you ready to give up all that you are to serve Jesus? I wonder how they'd react to you. Now that is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that theology should be done that way. Can you but- imagine going door to door? Like, excuse me, do you have a minute to 
talk about Jesus. Have you considered um, giving up your entire life and everything you own and basically everything you have? And Oh, and hate all your family and friends. <laughs> <laughs> hey, honey, this guy's saying I should hate you. Well, <laughs> is she really that great? I mean, come on. <laughs> hater. Hater. Um, so, so we're, so this, this is kind Jeez. of, this is kind of a, uh, a, a, a uh, very hard thing being thrown down, uh, because of the weight of it. I think we should take some time to kind of, to go through some of what all this means and we're going to continue on, but I am, I am also wanting to go to another scripture in Luke starting, uh, in chapter nine, verse 57. Does anybody have that and would like to read for me? I do have that. Zach has a cool little note there too. So if you, if you want to add anything, Zach, cool. Sure. So I'll go and read it and let Zach add it as, as he sees fit. Which there. Uh, version are you reading from? Uh, NRSV. It's fine. It's yeah. cool. So as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head to another. He said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the, their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, keep going. Two more. I'll, I'll go, go through 62. Gotcha. So, uh, through to 62. Yes. And another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of, of God. Hmm. So no one who puts hand to the plow and looks back. What do you, I want to hear from both of you. What do you think he's implying there? Mm. Um, I, is it? Well, I think of the plow thing makes me think of commitment. Mm -hmm. I was also going to say the foxes having their holes, but the son of man having no place to lay his head makes me think of um, like kind of like poverty, really like not having much material sort of like um, not having like economic power to do what you want. You know, like a lot of people see that as like a security kind of thing when mm -hmm. it comes to like having enough to make sure you have your house and all that. Um, for me, I've always kind of seen um, like money type resources as like a freedom thing. Like, oh, I have what oh, I very need. Much is. I have what I need. So like I'm enabled to do what I really want to do. Um, all those things, I think, come into play because you have to have that commitment even if it means not having a place to lay your head when you're following Jesus. Mm -hmm. I agree. And so I think that also relates to the plow thing because I think of that as like your commitment. Yeah. Um, you can't put your hand to the plow and then look back and be like, Oh gee, what am I leaving behind here? Well, I mean, in, in the, the commitment aspect, and I think you mentioned something about uh, security. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting too, because, uh, I, when I read the part about the plow, what it makes me think of is that like, you've started a work. Yeah. And so if you start a job to plow a field mm -hmm. and that's a very big undertaking and you turn around like, eh, like maybe I'm like already done. Then like, you don't deserve the chance. Right. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So I think that's part because I think he is individually responding to each person's thing. So with one guy, he says, I will fall. Uh, I will follow you wherever you go, and Jesus is stopping him and saying, "Like first, understand that once you take undertake this thing, once you decide to do this, know that you won't have a place to lay your head, and mm -hmm. this is the life you will there, have. There will be sacrifices. So the first sacrifice will be you won't have security. 
Mm-hmm. That was what Zach said. Security, freedom to move about the way you want. Second person, he says, let me go bury my father. And he said, leave yeah. the dead to bury their own. As for you, go and proclaim the kingdom. Yes. He's saying... Now, now, now to, to be clear, this verse is not actually literally referring to right. to, to, to burying someone who has died. What what the guy was, was, was saying, culturally speaking, was, let me wait till I get my dad's inheritance, and then I can go follow you. Get that drip. So these are... Drip, drip. <laughs> these are... <laughs> So, so these, these are definitely things where a person is saying, let me finish something. Let me do whatever. So in, Mm -hmm. in the case of the first guy, he is like zealously ready, you know, overzealously ready, but Jesus stops him and says like, you got to understand what you're (laughs) undertaking. The second person says, um, Lee, you know, I have to go and bury my father and we've had Bob's explanation on that, but he says, leave the dead to bury their own. But as for you go and proclaim the kingdom, he is stopping him and saying like, if you decide to follow me, your business is no longer that business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That means that is somebody else's job now. And you're yeah. coming with me. And then the last person says, Hey, uh, let me first say farewell to those at my home. And he's like, no one who says I'm ready to do this plow work. And then turns around and says, Oh, I forgot. I have to do something else is, is fit. And so these are all examples of major sacrifices that you just have to let go of when you become a disciple. And they have like, there's this term called competing commitments that okay, we yeah. learned about in a leadership class. And it's really interesting. There's this thing called um, uh, immunity to change. So basically the theory is that like we have these uh, we have these inner commitments that we are committed to mm-hmm. and they prevent us from making good changes in our life. Mm, and okay. so okay. one of the steps in the immunity to change process to like change something that you want to see changed in your life is to um, say, what are the commitments that are competing for this other thing that I know I need to do? And I think it's very similar with what Jesus is um, talking about with these guys, because they have these other interests that they're tied to. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is like, no, you need to be willing to forsake all of that, like, and be about God and be about the kingdom. That's yeah. exactly right. And so yeah. and so we've touched on a lot in just two scriptures. Um he details quite a few. Um but oh, I yeah. want but I want to go through we're actually going to take a, just a very very small step back in Luke in the same chapter to uh to Luke 9 uh 23 through 27. Zach, would you be willing to read that for me and yeah. when you get it up in just a second? Let's flip over to Luke 9. So it's still it's still in Luke 9 but it is earlier when he talks about taking up your cross. Mm, Okay. And so this is, this is what I've entitled his, like him talking about ambition, basically like your goals for your life versus Mm -hmm. what Jesus would call you to do. And Jesus had just predicted his death right before this. Exactly. Right. right. So this is what he says to uh, the disciples. He says, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life, for me, will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory. And in the glory of the Father and the holy angels, truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. So... Here is the interesting thing. We know that scripture. A lot of Christians know the uh, whoever take up your cross and follow me. Whoever mm-hmm. uh, 
would save their life will lose it, but mm-hmm. whoever would lose that their team. life for my sake would find it. Now we're gonna we're probably gonna yeah. want to hear about that again or come back to that. Oh yes. when I t- when we talk about our the life that we're going to lose. But one of the things that I find interesting is if you continue on, it says, "For what does it profit a man?" So, so in my in my Bible, it's worded a little differently. It's the same thing though. Uh, we're we're just splitting hairs over small words, but uh, it says, "For what." does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So what's interesting is to me, that speaks very, very firmly to someone who wants to succeed in the Mm -hmm. world. So Mm -hmm. somebody who says to themselves, like the, the goal of the world is to be successful, get, you know, like Solomon, you know, he had like his, his big, uh, uh, mansion with his ladies, he had his wealth, he had all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, what what Jesus is really laying down here is saying, like, first of all, you've got to lay all that down mm-hmm. because the more you try and like do well and do good for your personal life, the worse things are going to be for you when the kingdom is at hand. Absolutely. But if you deny all of that, if you sacrifice that stuff, throw it away and devote yourself to me, you will gain eternal life. Yeah. And so uh, clearly we all know that, but I'm just breaking it down for, uh, so we can understand this idea of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And, and one of the big things with this verse that I find so significant that I think a lot of people overlook just because the cross has become so much of a cultural thing. I'm to the point where it's even become jewelry in a lot of, in a lot of cases, (laughs) tats, yeah, and, and yes, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we don't really understand the cross the same way that they saw it. We see it from a different perspective, whereas they would have seen it as this is a form of execution. I think I mentioned this before on the podcast many times, but the idea there that what did we more culturally equivalent to would be Jesus saying to us today is take up your electric chair, take up your lethal right, injection right, and follow yeah. me. Yeah. Um, my, my wife actually had a classmate at one point in time who had a, who did not, it, on, the, um, on this necklace was not a cross, but an actual electric chair um, that she wore around her neck. Uh, Interesting. Just because, and the reason for it was A, it was eye-catching and created conversations and where she could talk about Christ, but B, as a constant symbol reminder to her that this isn't just about glamour and a piece of jewelry, but this isn't. You know, I am called as to to be to, to to live a life of sacrifice and be prepared when necessary. Um, it's, it's funny how the debate has gone back and forth on whether or not it's like appropriate to like use a cross as like a representation. Mm-hmm. I've heard somebody make the argument that like it's it's why are we glorifying the bru- the brutal stuff when we should be glorifying like the like the uh, the triumph? Uh, and I said I think it's because the weight the weight of all of the sin is on the cross, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not the triumph, we already know the triumph happened, but the significance isn't that God is God and would succeed because if we're true Christians, we know that. Sure. It's the fact that that is the weight of all he did to it, make it, 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 it. It was at that moment that things changed. God was still God before the cross and God That's is right. God is after the cross. Right. Also, it's hard to put an empty tomb on the necklace. <laughs> it's yeah. like you're squinting and it's like what is that it's like oh well you don't recognize the scene there's the boulder there's the sun in the background there's the two girls crying yeah. there's the might be a good conversation piece there yeah. that'd that's, be like that's uh, true 
you know, what is a painting on yeah. your neck? It's a giant like uh, like three inch like circle with this big like yeah. collage. On Why it? not wear like a manger and a stable around your neck year mm. round, not just at Christmas? Well, I mean, that's you know, <laughs> still significant, right? It is significant. Well, so, um, okay, so we've we've already talked about a few things. Uh, family ambition, um, like kind of like the weight of what it means to follow Christ. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about, um, something that is pretty near and dear to our current situation, which is intellectual superiority or intellectualism, like kind of your, so uh, it's not a one for one, but just let me, let me get to the, let me read the scripture and give up your smarty pants attitude, potentially sinner. So this is a parable (laughs) that Jesus, that Jesus uses quite a bit. Um, I'm sorry. He well, he uses it once, but Christians use it quite a bit. Um, but I want to I want to use it in the context of what we're talking about about discipleship and what it means to sacrifice. So, um, I'll start in uh, verse 39 uh, from Luke chapter six. Mm-hmm. So here we go. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Ouch. So that's that's his like lead up yeah, to this. The blind leading the blind. And he says, see, and people, people just do that and they don't actually, they just blindly quote that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Blind person leading the blind to just only understand that part. So uh, starting in verse 40, it says a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like, like his teacher. Why do you see the speck in that is in your brother's eye, but, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say that your brother's brother, let me take out the speck. We, we all know this scripture, but I want to, I want us to focus I've on. I've forgotten that that's in the context of this. It's really interesting. So I want to mm, focus yeah. on just the, just verse 40, which, which he puts in between the blind leading the blind and what's to come. He sets it up by saying with, with the speck in the eye, yeah. a disciple is not above his teacher, mm-hmm. but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And so one of the things I want to reiterate is that we need to be humble to like what we think we know when we step into following Christ as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that in the context of this scripture, the teacher is actually the scripture in Jesus, but there are teachers in our lives that can help us to learn. Mm-hmm. But the problem is if you come in like, uh, who is it? Um, I think this is actually a, a Japanese thing not Confucius, but it might be a Bruce Lee sort of, uh, or that's Chinese, but uh, maybe I'm quoting, uh, it's not, is it Buddhism? It might be Buddhism, but the idea of having a full cup. So uh, if your cup is full, you can't learn anything. Hmm. You have to empty your cup. Um, So the same, or like uh, Morpheus says, free your mind, Neo, free your mind. Uh, mind. So in the case, (laughs) so in the case of this, where, uh, you become a disciple of Christ. You are not above your teacher, but yeah, but, in, but everyone, when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Now, what that means in the context of this about whether or not you find that somebody else has fault and you don't have fault or vice versa leads me to believe that when we talk about discipleship, because it uses the same word disciple, when a disciple is not mm-hmm. above his teacher, it's referring to this idea that we shouldn't come in with a mindset that we know more than anyone else. And in all things, we should seek to be fully trained in how to follow Jesus. Hmm. So 
one of the things that I feel like in there's a lot of other scriptures, but I found this one significant because I like the scripture yeah. anyway. But the idea that we come as disciples ready to learn fully yeah. and not to already know everything. And a lot of times when a non-Christian comes into a church and uh, you wouldn't want to say to them because it's not something they want to hear again, would be like, listen, you're not going to ever be above your teacher. Yep. Yeah. And, that, and you know what? That <laughs> Well, I yeah. already I already know everything I need to know about Christianity. Right. You're never okay. going to like fully arrive in terms of like you and God. Like, that's right on that's the right. same level like and and i find that really interesting because we do have people in the church that are discipling others like that's kind of oh, your sure. role as you mature as a christian you uh -huh. take on other people and you kind of show them what you know about scripture and point them to jesus but it's absolutely you still maintain the same humility like i think teachers need to be just as humble if not more because they're teaching somebody else like so you're accountable to god um, that makes me think of another scripture in Luke. I think it's in Luke 22 where Jesus talks about, um, the Kings of the Gentiles. He says the Kings of the Gentiles have authority and they lord it over them, but that's not how you guys are going to be. You are going to actually become the greatest by becoming the lowest. See, <laughs> he actually says that at the last supper when he's with his disciples. See, I like that because yeah. see, because that's my, my whole point is that, uh, and I only reason I even mention this as far as intellectual superiority, I use those words specifically because one of the problems that a lot of people have when they come into a church and they're deciding to be a disciple of Jesus is to humble themselves. Mm -hmm. So how do we humble ourselves in modern day? Humility is so hard. Humility is a bit intellectual. Humility mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. maybe the hardest hurdle. It's super hard for our culture. Colin. Uh, do you know how many degrees I have? Right. Do you know how many letters I have after my name? What if, what if, what if an intellectual person who was like, like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm becoming a Christian now because I've read the whole Bible. Listen, you'll never be above right. your teacher, but when you're fully trained, we'll be at the same level. And but then Colin, no, but Colin, I already know everything. I've read the internet. I've read so much <laughs> internet. Like. I know everything, internet. man. I like there's a there's a clip from Family Guy that I always thought was really funny. He goes like, "Peter, where where have you been?" He's like, "Oh, I decided to watch every single video on uh, on the internet, every single video on YouTube." And I gotta say, not a bad one. <laughs> They're all pretty good. <laughs> um, so 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 uh, this is just a very this is just uh, pinched between this idea of of keeping each other above reproach with a speck in the eye and right before the blind leading the blind. Yeah. But we miss some of the significance of the idea of what it's implying about uh, being right and wrong. And that to me is a big sacrifice that we, we are hesitant to uh, sacrifice. Yeah. We almost make being right or being smart and idle you know, to where it's exactly. like, oh, it's our own, like, uh, intellectual integrity or whatever. Right. You know, so, so you got to get beyond that, like get over yourself. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. So one of the things, so one of the things that it then goes on to say is get the speck out of your own eye first. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That implies being humble enough to say, I may not have everything correct. 
Mm-hmm. And to me, that is that is a, to, to, a, to remove the hypocrisy and yeah, and to make things before right. you before you go judging somebody else and yeah. that that of or, course or, or teaching others or teaching others. That's exactly right. So um, that is another aspect of a thing that Sorry. Christ calls you to sacrifice as a disciple. And I this isn't the only scripture that does it, but I think it's significant that it's just tucked away. So I thought I'd use that instead. Uh, Bob, do you happen to have John eight thirty one through thirty eight up? I can have that up here in just a jiffy. So the next thing I want to talk about is sin, which sin is maybe the most important thing that Jesus wants you to sacrifice or give up to the world. Like, it's funny because it's almost like the burnt offerings are going to the world. Mm. Do you get what I mean by that? And I don't mean as a like tribute as in like, I don't need this. Let the world have it. Let the world yeah. have it. Um. So, so when we talk about uh, sin, of course we are, we are always going to move away from sin in the scripture, right? So um, both as a disciple, but just when we know anything about Jesus, Jesus abhors sin. So in John 8, starting in verse 31, mm-hmm. we're going to hear how Jesus feels about holding on or the lack of when it comes to sin. Bob, would you please read? Yes. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, You are truly my disciples, and you will follow the truth, and the truth will make you free. Or more classically, the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, anyone anyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the so if the sun, the capital S, if the sun makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place for, uh, in in you for my word. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. Hmm. And so and you said through, through 39 or through 41? Uh, no, you got 38. it. 38, 38. 38. Um, gotcha. So you got it. Well, because right after this, it goes into another thing about how he calls them out for being, uh, they have a father who is the devil. Right. Um, and that'll be interesting for our next The devil episode. is your daddy. Because <laughs> so, because the next the next episode, we're going to be digging into this difference between being righteous versus... Uh, serving the serving the devil in a lot of ways. But um, the one mm-hmm. significant thing from the beginning of this, where he goes on to reiterate, is that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the... Mine says you will know the truth. Yours says follow the truth. Yes. And the truth will set it's you free. free. So then he, in contrast, he says, but those who practice sin are slaves to sin. Mm-hmm. So he is saying, like, if you're a disciple of mine, then you're not going to be a slave to sin. I'm sorry. You're, yeah. That's not who... A disciple of yeah. mine is. And so abiding in the truth is, is the only way that we can be free of sin. And mm-hmm. another way of saying free yourself of sin is to say sacrifice sin in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, like, so, so you're saying that a Christian should live a life that is sinless. I think that a Christian should strive to live a sinless lifestyle, mm-hmm. but I believe that we all fall short of the glory of God, which yeah. is why, yeah, Jesus's death on the cross was right. uh, so important, so mm-hmm. necessary. Yeah, right. Uh, but Paul, I, you know, says 
Don't become a slave to sin, become a slave to righteousness. That's true. Bob Dylan says, you got to serve somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, man, this is a lot of good uh, scripture that we could add to our to our next step. So um, this this is, by the way, this is going to be our, our like a stepping stone to the next one. Uh, but uh, for as far as sacrificing goes, we have already talked about family, business stuff. We've talked about ambition. We've talked about int- intellectual superiority. And now we've talked about sin. So moving past sin, let's talk about the physical body for a moment. Uh, so okay. Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I know Zach loves Romans. You wanna... I'll, do, I'll do 12. Thanks, yeah. buddy. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing and perfect will. Boom. Yeah. So, um, living sacrifice. So the significance of a living sacrifice and the idea of not conforming to the world is very interesting because we're, we're, we're going to be very hard pressed to find people who can completely separate themselves from the world and who would be willing to just tomorrow die. But Mm -hmm. there is something very interesting about the implication of picking up a cross. So we talked about it earlier in Luke when we read Luke, uh, I think it was Luke uh, 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 14, I believe is, wait, Mm -hmm. no. Yeah, whenever- To take up your cross. Pick up your cross. Okay, so here is the thing that's funny about that phrase. Christians may read it in passing and not really understand the full weight, I think, of what Jesus is implying. I would argue, this is very serious, but I would argue that Jesus is implying that you should be ready to walk that cross Mm -hmm. up on a hill and die on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. So, so, like, literally, like, if you are not ready for that, you may not be ready Mm -hmm. to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. 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 Take up that form of execution. I think, um, I think Paul is a really good example because like your, uh, electric chair, but for real, like tomorrow drag your electric chair to the prison. You're recognizing the very real possibility because that could come. Mm-hmm. as the cost of following Jesus, That's which right. we'll talk more about next time. But I do really like um, I, I, the, I can't exactly quote it verbatim, but I like all the different things that Paul talks about when he talks about possibly dying because mm-hmm. he says like, Oh, it'd be better for me if I went ahead and passed on, but it's better for you that I remain. And I really like, ah. I kind of like his outlook on it because Paul is, not exactly like eager to just like jump to die at the first chance, but he realizes that it's possible and he's willing to face it. Well, he even says like, I consider my life nothing, but the gospel is everything that's uh, in acts 20. That's that verse that we put on our old business card a long time ago. He's, he's saying that I am only still here because Mm -hmm. God is using me to teach and to glorify him. And because of that, I'm still here. Yeah. And so like, this idea of like, I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice. It doesn't necessarily mean like 
go and like just jump into like whatever crazy yeah. dangerous situation is like right now just because it's dangerous. It means you are laying down your life, realizing that it could cost you your life, but you're at God's disposal. Sure. And so that's why it's important, I think, that like what we're laying down is our life, not our mm-hmm. death. And then, you know? and this coming from a man who was stoned, yes, from a man who was yeah, he beat, faced be, death with, with, beaten with rods. I think it's Second yeah. Corinthians he mentioned he was beaten with rods mm-hmm. three times. You know, he was imprisoned. Um, yeah, it's yeah. This was a man who truly knew what he was talking about when it comes to giving up your life. God told him to go back to Jerusalem, and he was stopped by like two different groups of people who were prophesying that he would be turned over and arrested. And he still went and they were like begging him not to go. They're like this belt. I put this belt on your hands and that's how you're going to be bound up by the Jews when you get to Jerusalem. And he's like, nope, got to go. And they're like, well, I guess it's better that God's will be done. So we'll pray for you. Um, What's interesting, too, is, um, again, uh, some of the commentary from this Bible that I think is interesting I think in almost every version of the Bible, the word conformed is like the one used, like mm-hmm. do not be conformed to this world. But, um, right, yeah, but that word as used in the ESV, um, uh, uh, David Jeremiah has a, a thing here where he says that sometimes that word is used in the context of like a masquerade or an act. Hmm. And he says, going on, he says, if people conform to the world's standards or behaviors, they are masked to who they are in Christ. Hmm. And I find that interesting that it would almost be like you're hiding who you really are by conforming to the world. And so help me take this mask off. (laughs) It's almost like (laughs) another deep uh, pop culture uh, cut. (laughs) It's almost like the um, goosebumps one hour Halloween movie where the girl gets the mask stuck to her face. Yeah. (laughs) She says, to her brother and gets really mad. That is, in a lot of ways, very scripturally true that she puts on a mask to please Halloween tradition. And in doing so, it almost consumes her life. It's funny how similar that mask (laughs) looks to um, Jim Carrey's The Mask. Yeah, it's very, it's like an old, it's like like green mask. Okay. (laughs) So, okay. So, what, what, what here is being said is that we literally need to sacrifice our like body or even our, mm-hmm. our, our, our situation where we, we might die everything physically die. And then also that we in tandem with being willing to sacrifice that we are also willing to be renewed in our minds. Yeah. Um. So it's almost as if we are like, again, more to the intellectual aspect here, we want to not only be willing to be a living sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, but also do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal mm-hmm. of your mind and the testing yeah. that you may discern. Now, so uh, one thing I think is important to mention here is that I don't think that Christ is asking us to enter a depressionary state. No, 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 no. Where, where, where we're looking at, you know, I just, I just want to die. I just want everything. Yeah. That, 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 that's not what he's asking for at all. That what he, what he, that this is about preparing yourself, being ready for, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and recognizing that there will be sacrifices that have to be made and your life might be one of them. And are you prepared for that? The, the, this, this is the cost of following. There's Christ. a lot of really great stories about um, the people who suffered persecution uh, back in the Roman empire. Like there's a lot of journal entries and stuff about like them getting ready to be executed. And there's like, 
a few of them that were like begging their followers not to come and rescue them. Cause they're like, no, I'm going to serve a greater purpose. Like I know God has something in store for me. I know that he's got a plan and I'm serving God through this. Like they went to their deaths, like glorifying God. Like they were literally like in a mode of praise. It's very weird compared with how like we think of things right now and yeah. in our spoiled situation. Absolutely. <laughs> so, and, I, and I have to wonder, yeah. I, I have to, I have to ask myself, would I enter level that level of persecution the same way yeah uh, i mean would i enter it with us with a praise or would i be screaming and crying and you know That's upset the, the, the way that most people probably would expect and i don't know it's it's, it's a hard question mm-hmm. for me to answer so um another thing that's interesting too is like we mentioned with Paul, he was, he was ready in his like mind for whatever God had for him. He was willing to die. He's willing to teach that, that is, he, he's, he's a guy to strive to be like, but um, he was also directly, you know, struck down with blindness by God and went through all of these incredible changes. Um, mm-hmm. I will say this the renewal of your mind part of that scripture is very important because it also talks about how you will soon be able to discern the will of God. Now um, that is in itself a sacrifice of your own will versus Mm -hmm. God's will. Um, And that is maybe the final step, (laughs) which is really hard, Uh, which if you can attune your entire life to God's will exclusively, then I think everything else would just fall into place but that means the true, like, just sac- renounce everything in your life at that point. Take my will and make it thine. It, it shall be no, no longer, longer mine. mine. That's it. Yep. All right. So um, we already uh, mentioned, we already mentioned um, whoever seeks to preserve their life will lose it. Uh, but in Luke 17, 33 and going on, uh, he meant, it mentions that. But it also says, I will tell you that at night there will be two in the bed and one will be taken, the other left. Um, that's very significant because of the what do you want to say? The implication, um, all humanity will be divided and they will be, mm-hmm. um, so, so, are so, you getting into eschatology? Potentially, <laughs> yeah. potentially. Yes. yes Cause but, some, but, some use that as a, as a reference to, uh, the second coming of Christ others use it as a, re- as a reference to the rapture it's, uh, to the, the ah, idea of the rapture. We might mm-hmm. need to have a, another, uh, at some point, a, a, an episode about different, es- different b- beliefs on the rapture and stuff. But for now, I'll just say that it is one of those things where you got to be like ready, like physically. either way. Either yeah, way. yeah. No matter where you stand on it, the, his point is be ready. So Matthew 10 39, I'm just going to do a, a quick few last ones. Then we'll, We'll kind of like close out here because uh, I have a few questions and then we'll be uh, essentially done. So Matthew 10, and it says, starting in verse 39, about literally sacrificing your life. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Reiteration. Sorry. We already know that from Luke. We already know that from Matt. So Matt 16. Oh, Matt. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Matt. Always saying a lot of stuff that Luke and Mark 
also say. Hey, I like Matt the most. It's like my favorite uh, of the four gospels. Kind of like the comprehensive one. It's the one that's easiest <laughs> for me to understand. I'm kind of a dope. Uh, take up your cross and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. This is uh, Matthew 16, starting in verse 24 through 26. And there's a reiteration of what we talked about, but mm-hmm. Matthew kind of touches on a few extra things. Uh, he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses life for my sake will find it. For what will profit a man? What if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Um, okay. So I want to close out with a few questions. But essentially, going back to what we discussed from earlier in the episode, I guess we have a little scriptural overlap. That's probably my bad. But I'll just say he is asking us to lay down our lives. And so when we deny ourselves and pick up our cross, we are doing exactly that. Now, Christ, when saying that, says it so matter-of-factly as if to just be like, okay, if you're ready to do that. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) Everybody's like, but come on. I just want to hang out for a little while and see what it's like. So, um, yeah, I want to, um, get involved in like a newcomers class and, you know, see if like I enjoy worship after like three or four weeks. And, oh, I also got to like, make sure that like, you know, all the activities that I want are present. So I'm going to check those out. So, so (laughs) yeah, I just want to see if Jesus is like, down with me just kind of being like half in half out (laughs) just until I feel like good about it. I don't know. Jesus, what's the dress code? (laughs) Listen, okay. If I got to wear a suit, (laughs) I just bought a Gibson Les Paul and I don't think I'm gonna be able to carry that. If I've just got my robes and no money or anything, (laughs) can I carry that in my strap and my double stack? I'll need a cart. All right. So (laughs) I will be, what type of instruments are being used? Uh, I, I don't know if I'd be holding on a cross if I'm holding my strat. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can always get strap locks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just tie it to the cross. So um, uh, <laughs> I have a few questions for you all just real quick as we finish out. And then I'll talk about evangelism omission real quick. And I want to hear from Zach as well. But here's the first question. Do you guys, can you recollect some of the things you've already kind of had to leave behind or give up in your service to Christ? Um Mm. And this could be anything. I'm not talking, I'm not, I, I don't want a bragging session. I'm talking about stuff that might've even been like difficult to give up, like, or things that you never thought before you became a Christian, that would have been things you would have said, I don't want this anymore. Sometimes it means not appeasing your family. Um, How, are you saying from personal experience? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's actually caused conflict in my family from time to time because of my um, desire to follow Christ. Um, and so, and it not looking the way that they want it to look. Um, so my, my wife, I remember being told uh, by her family that because we were looking at living in China, that we were quote ruining Christmas, um, because we would not be there. And so it was absolutely destroying, devastating the family. And, and, and to be clear, Christmas was the most important holiday for her family. It still is. It's the most, it is the most important holiday for her family. Christmas by is far. fun. It's fun. And so it, 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 so it, it is everything to them. And for us to not be there for her to, for us to choose a life where we're not even going to be on the same continent, let alone in the same house for Christmas. Mm. That was a, I mean, that, that was, um, I, 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 this wasn't just said in malice. This, this was said in tears when they said this to her, you yeah. are ruining Christmas. You were, it was equivalent to saying you're destroying this family. Yikes. Mm. Yeah. But in your service, your mission work, 
yeah, you, you guys went to China during during mm-hmm. Christmas season, right? That's what it. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, that's well, what I mean, it costs. We, yeah, yeah. there there for two years. So that was yeah. two Christmases that we weren't. China there. still has Christmas trees, I think. I've it, seen I've seen them. In a, <laughs> a, a, I once went to a museum where they showed all the different Christmas trees from different countries. <laughs> it's so it's so hard because I don't think any of us have had to give up like a ton of like really really hard stuff because we I'm were talking about when you in like because we've been Christians situation. for a long time. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean like before you were. Yeah, I think maybe me and you, Colin, could relate to um, the situation where you leave behind a certain like social group. Mm-hmm. That's true. That you're used to. Yeah. Because it's not very positive or construction. You still try to be a light to those people where you can. Yeah. Um, But your hangout situations kind of change when you become a Christian. That's kind of what happened with me. Um, I started seeking more uh, people who would kind of direct me more towards Jesus. Right. Um, And I kept those old friends, but, um, you know, it wasn't like, this, it, that became not the priority of my life anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That relationship changed for you quite a bit. Yeah. I'd say for me to just reiterating what you both have said, like um, family, I've had some bumps in the road with that. Um, people who may not understand where I'm, where, mm-hmm. I, where I stand on things. Um, uh, also um, friendships. Uh, I've had a lot of people who have looked, looked really terribly at me and they can they can look at you differently once you become a christian and then you also you 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 have that knee-jerk reaction like you want to like sort of uh you want to sort of like soften the blow of it like be like oh no it's not like that um it's funny because like i think a lot of people won't really look at you differently unless you actually start living differently because you mm -hmm. can start you can just be a person who kind of goes to church goes back to sacrifice and you just kind of add that into your repertoire and don't really change like other parts of your life. Yeah. Um, and your friendships and relationships and things really won't change at that point. For, for me, for me, the biggest one, which I think we can all relate to, which doesn't seem obvious when you're asked the question is like, you've literally devoted like a majority of your life's time and Mm. energy to the service of God. And so think about like, you're not a Christian and you're 30 or however old we are. And you say, um, okay, I'm a 30 year old. I'm not a Christian. What am I doing right now? I'm probably not doing yeah. a podcast. I'm probably not involved in church in any way. You might way. be doing a podcast. Well, right. So you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're probably playing games or doing whatever you like want. like half of the males in this country have a podcast probably. So. <laughs> you think so? It's become the really the yeah. thing to do. So, so I think for me, uh, I have... I have devoted a good portion of my life and my activities to God, which mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have been. Um, okay. So next question. Uh, what are some things you still need to let go of or get rid of? Do you guys feel like there are still things that you have uh, to work on sacrificing more in your life? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, which I think is, is something that a lot of us struggle with is, uh, is, is entertainment. We're all mm-hmm. kind of seeking uh, as just part of our, our culture that we, that we live in. Um, and just trying to be in, but not of, you know, is seeking entertainment. And so it's like, well, I, I need to relax. I need to relax. It's like, well, chances are there's a strong probability that we are, that most of us are probably relaxing maybe too much. And maybe we need to focus, uh, you know, um, my, my, my relationship with Christ isn't necessarily what I want it to be. So what can I give up? Well, how about some of that entertainment that, you mm-hmm. know, g- give that up and start, you know, be more intentional with my time possibly. Yeah. I am on a social media fast right now. And I know you're not supposed to like 
brag about your fasting. I'm not bragging about it. Actually, it's been like really tough. I'm only one week into it. It's supposed to be a 21 day thing. So I'm a third of the way through it. And honestly, um, I've just so far like tried to just fill up that time that I was scrolling with my phone with like other things. Like yeah. I did a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> I saw that jigsaw puzzle. You're getting really good at that. Yeah. Yeah. We put together a Mandalorian baby Yoda puzzle. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. But I, th- <laughs> I think, um, I, I don't know if I'm quite like practicing the point of a fest just yeah. yet. Uh, you still need to, um, take that time and devote it to God instead. Right. And so I need to kind of figure out some more things that I want to do to devote myself to God during that time, instead of just uh, going from one boredom thing to another, that's just slightly less angering. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so for me, for me, it would be, it would literally just be like, you know, the, the sacrifice of your, your like life. uh, And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is like um, less about, what what i need to do to like mm-hmm. get ahead and stuff i know what you mean um and so i i i have been in a deep struggle for a few months or years now over some financial stuff over some you know where we're not really where we want to be uh and things like that but mm-hmm. uh a big part of that is not acknowledging that maybe that's not where god wants us to be um and so um for for us i guess it's it's hard when you're struggling but at the same time it's like you've got to remember that to yeah. sacrifice your ambitions for your life, for your 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 wants and needs is kind of like the final thing. Mm-hmm. So if I could do that more, that would be that would probably be my next big step. All right, and last one is uh, what do we as Christians need to do to instill this idea in new Christians or in the the church community? I feel like do 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 you hear this very much? I don't think no, you do. I don't think not, a lot of pastors talk about sacrificing taught. what and and it might be taught like in the way that we're teaching it, like okay. where the like scriptures, a sermon. the scriptures are brought up and it's preached on or it's taught in a small group, but then it's not really practiced. Yes, I think very that, much. That, that that's the big one. It's not really lived out as yeah. as much as, as as you would hope it would be. I mean, what does it actually look like in a practical sense? Yeah, sure, we talk about it, but yeah. How, how do you live? How do you show others that you're actually yeah. um, to 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 use an idiom to practice? You're practicing what you preach. You so know? so, what does it look like when a new person comes into the church and you say, "Welcome"? Yeah. To, here's the word. Most of the time, it's very hospitable. Like that's what most churches. I don't have a problem for. with yes. hospitable no. when you they know. first come in the door. No, what I, what you, I mean you, about you, is you, that you, first engagement of mm-hmm. talking about how God yeah. will transform your life when you first do the yeah. uh, maybe when you first get baptized. Yeah. You know what's interesting is I see a lot of people get baptized and then they're like, "Okay, bye, you're baptized." Yep. Mm-hmm. I I almost feel like it would be. I've a, seen that many many times. A really good practice for someone influ- wise, influential in your elder circle or your church to really sit down with somebody when they devote their life to Christ and say, yeah. here's what you're in for. Yeah. Like here's mm-hmm. the, here are a few things that, that are going to happen. And as you move closer to Christ, you're going to move further away from this stuff and you're going to have to make sacrifices. You should have to like sit them down at a table and then like close the blinds oh. and like <laughs> <laughs> put on like a overhead, like spotlight. Yep. So that just comes on and makes a noise. Yes. So we, it's the only light in the room. Yeah. Here's what you've signed up for, pal. And the light Listen. goes on their face to say, so we heard you, uh, you're still playing Fortnite <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday evenings when you should be studying the Bible. <laughs> the big man upstairs don't like it too much. <laughs> I just heard from the big man upstairs yesterday when I was praying, you know what he said? Stop it. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> so okay um so just my so that leads into my kind of final afterthought a little bit which is that um we kind of have this even evangelism of omission and and, mm-hmm. and i'm not and i'm not gonna cast stones or anything but i'm gonna say that a lot of times as christians we do sugarcoat things to get people in the door oh yeah now if someone comes to christ from sugarcoating i'm not going to sounds I'm, delicious i'm not going to Black, I'm not going to just like put them on blast, but I am going to say that sugarcoating is a flimsy foundation. I think that it's it's good to um, it's good to be hospitable and it's good to like practice love, of course, towards people. Yeah, of course, that's yep. that's a really good way to kind of show them that you yeah, know let's Jesus. Show let's them. show them yeah. love, but yeah, I think um, mm-hmm. for a lot of church situations, I think a lot of Christians stay there. With yeah. their outreach well, and and right. don't get people plugged mm-hmm. into um, learning and discipling mm-hmm. and uh, things that draw them closer to God through like kind of this tough, more challenge mentality. I think church wants to stay safe in a lot of ways. Kind of goes back to the risk thing. You know, oh, no, no, we're not challenging people. Yep. So once again, it's, that's it's how they don't grow. Yep. This, the sugarcoating is very much mm-hmm. an overreaction to the Bible thumping of the of decades past. Well, but but not just. OK, so again, yeah. not going to try and uh, judge other churches. So but I but will I, say that I think uh, I think it has gone too far in a lot of ways. I think a lot of people prioritize getting new members. And now yeah. there is a justification there of discipling. Say like, oh, I want to I want to like get as many people yeah. to know Christ as possible. That's a good Sure. Motivation. But at the same time, it, the undertone of that is like my church could use a, a 10 new tithers mm-hmm. or whatever. And and so they're able to get people jazzed up about God, which is great. But the foundation yeah. of that beginning stage of your belief needs to be a foundation of Christ mm-hmm. and what Christ calls for us to do when we decide to follow. Yeah. And so if we get somebody in a church and we say like, okay, and we're glad you like the music, cool to hang out. We're really nice. Uh, we'll take you out to lunch and that's it. And mm-hmm. then you just keep coming to church and then you get baptized or whatever. You don't get baptized. Or you're just there for a little while. To me, you're not really preparing someone. And furthermore, you're not really encouraging them to devote their life to right. Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And so, not, that like that, that could be its own. It's episode. almost like you need some help and accountability, maybe in that area to kind of get you going. Yeah. So, so um, this could be its own episode, yeah. but this is just the tail end of this. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to like. Yes. I want to. I want to return us to the main point, which is that, in my opinion, yeah, to be a true disciple of Christ, you can't do that without sacrifice. Absolutely. Right. And so, as a result of that, uh, I think it is essential to let people know that that is that is one of the big aspects of becoming mm-hmm. a, a disciple. Yep. So there you go. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we will be back next time for another, uh, uh, another episode in this series. Um, next week we're going to be talking about, um, what are we talking about? <laughs> Righteousness without oppression. Righteousness without a, uh, opposition. 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 Yes. Righteousness without a, opposition. Well, oppression is another way to say Leading it Leading to persecution. That's right. <laughs> So uh, thank you for listening. Check us out on all the places you find your podcast. Please check us out on Patreon if you feel like you want to support us. We have uh, new music coming. New music coming. We have uh, some cool musical projects. We have some piano ballads on there. So, uh, yes, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. Peace.